In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to retain the customers that you've worked so hard to acquire. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch where we sit down with leaders in customer experience, employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the best practices that have guided them to success throughout their career? And then we take all of those principles and insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Uh, And recently we've been working with brands outside of sports to help them turn their customers and employees into fans. So today we are sitting down with Ed Frame. Ed is the CEO and founder of a company called Exemplify CX out of Australia. And Exemplify really works with brands to help them turn buyers into repeat customers. So this episode is going to be a little bit interesting. Uh, Right before the episode, uh, Katie from our team had done a lot of the prep for the episode. And so we invited her to come onto the show. And so it is the three of us. It'll be Ed Frame, uh, my colleague Katie Rudy here at Engagement, and me. Uh, and Katie and Ed actually continue the conversation. I had to jump like 45 minutes into the episode. Um, so Katie takes over and drives that conversation with Ed. But we get into some really interesting topics about what to do with your customers once you've acquired them. Um, so we're going to talk about Ed's seven phases to customer longevity, which I think will really give you an interesting framework for how to approach keeping your customers longer and ultimately generating more money for less effort. Um, we all know how tough customer acquisition is and turning them over all the time is not something that you want to get into as an organization. If you can keep those customers longer, you're going to cut your costs down and your bottom line is going to benefit a ton. So, uh, let's get into this episode. I don't want to talk anymore and tee it up. We've got Katie Rudy and Ed frame on this episode, and we are really excited to jump in. So here we go. All right, so we are here with Ed Frame, and we're also here with Engagement's very own Katie Rudy. What's going on, guys? Happy to be on the show. Going very well. How are you going, David? All right, we're going to see how this goes. I think there's going to be a lot of talking at the same time, but screw it. Let's roll with it. Um, Ed, we are pumped that you are on the show talking to us here really about customer retention uh, around kind of deepening emotional connections with current customers. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about that. Uh, with our clients, but I'm excited for your thoughts and your strategies that you work with with your clients. So tell tell us a little bit about Exemplify and the work that you guys do. Yeah, great. So essentially, like you said, we we look at really the the post sale customer experience, and with our, a lot of our clientele and a lot of different businesses, we we really look at what happens. What does that customer journey look like from the moment somebody makes a purchase? And how can you transition them and funnel them through to making repeat purchases and becoming brand advocates? So somebody who's, you know, a really loyal customer sharing and referring your brand, you know, really, you don't want those people to shut up about talking about yourself. So, um, so it's really being a lot more intentional with how you deliver your product or service. And we're not there to, to reinvent the wheel for businesses in, in, their kind of service offerings, we might be able to contribute, but it's really more about if somebody sells a product or service, what is the actual experience that the customer delivers, is, uh, receives from, from that business? So, um, and being very intentional to, to funnel them through um, that post-sale retention funnel. 
And and so the primary the primary product or service or offering that you guys have is you're working closely yep. from an advisory perspective with with organizations or, or tell us a little bit more about like your actual service that you provide. Yes, definitely. So at the very start, we actually start with a workshop. Um, so when it's really a, a magic wand, no budget idea session to really look okay. If you know if we had unlimited funds, what would be the best experience that you could make for your customers? Because this is a great way to involve senior leaders to really, they already understand a lot about their customers. It also let, allows us to, to view where there might be some gaps of knowledge, but really create sort of, have a look at sort of what are the different ideas and different ways of using video, email, gift giving, SMS, like all kind of different channels to create that better experience. So it really starts with that workshop. And then from there, we go into, our, you know, prioritizing this, okay, what's the either the low hanging fruit or what's going to have the most impact for that audience. And then together we'll put a, basically a a strategic plan together um, and then an implementation guide. So whether that's somebody from, from our team does that, or they might have people internally from marketing and sales. Um, Often I find that a lot of the low hanging fruit content has actually already been created. It's just redistributed it through the customer experience rather than the marketing and sales. So um, it's really kind of going through that and making sure that the client's getting um, the started that experience is starting to be built. Without giving us your secret sauce, like what are some of the questions that you yeah. ask in those workshops to kind of flip the script? I mean, a little bit is when we work with some of our clients, it's like, well, we know what our customers think. We know what our fans think. How do you get them to yeah. start thinking differently about what the customer actually thinks to start that process? That's that's a really great question. One of the things, and I've, I've tried this a couple of times, is looking at really that sort of from post-sale, there's essentially seven different phases that a customer goes through. And one of the things that I ask is like, what is the worst experience that your customers could receive? You know, what are the different things that you would never want somebody to associate with your brand? So it could be, um, you know, if it's a, an e-commerce brand, it could be like, oh, it everything always gets broken or, you know, things don't come on time or we don't communicate frequently. So actually sometimes flipping the switch, wait, I managed to get that in. Um, so <laughs> managing to sort of flip that on its head and actually look at what is what is the worst possible experience. Often that some of those things come up where somebody might have an idea. It's like, actually, that might lead to one of these um, bad experiences. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's one thing that, uh, we look at, but also, um, the internal emotions, I think is really the, the key part of it. And that's where, um, it's, it's not necessarily, it's like what, how it's, it's really, how does your customer feel at each part of the stage? You know, what are their emotions? Are they excited? Are they nervous? Are they, you know, um, perhaps if they're, if it's a client who's about to to attend a kickoff call with four different people that they've never met and they're heavily introverted. Is this actually a good experience for them? Or is it just the way we've always done business? So it's a great way to really look at what is the norms and, and that particular audience and say, actually, is that person going to be comfortable going through this process or what? And if not, what can we do to to make them more comfortable to begin with? So, um, so it's really what is the worst possible experience? And then also what are the internal emotions that somebody might have at, at each stage in the customer journey? I love it. Well, Ed, talk to us about in your mind, kind of what are those seven phases within the customer journey that we should be paying attention to the emotions of our customers in? 
Yeah, fantastic. So the first is everybody has a problem. So your customer has a problem and they've made a purchase. So it really starts with that problem. And your problem is really your sales and marketing phases. And it's not something that we spend too much time, but to really set the scene, your customers have a problem. If you've ever listened to Donald Miller talk, um, I know that he would very much agree with this. And so, um, so yeah, customers have a problem and then they make a purchase to solve that problem. So they either purchase a product or service to solve that problem. And what happens when somebody makes a purchase is there's that element of buyer's remorse. There's that excitement. There's that waiting period before you actually get started, whether it's a product or service, whether it's waiting for delivery, whether it's putting it in the boot of your car and driving home from the shop, whether it's, you know, waiting for a kickoff call, there's all kinds of, there's that waiting period. So it's, what are you actually doing to stop your customers from actually thinking, oh, was this actually a good purchase before they've actually started? So, um, so there's that purchase period. Then there's what we call the proceed period, which is getting started. So that's really the first formal interaction that somebody has with your product or service. So it might be the unboxing experience, or it could be that first kickoff call. It could be, um, yeah, those kind of, those kinds of things too, really. What is the first kind of formal interaction? And then there's really, okay, now you're working to achieve your goals. So a great example of this is a, whenever I got married, I needed three things. I needed a gym membership to, to put on some muscle. I, uh, I needed a haircut and I needed a suit. Now, my haircut from start to finish was about 30, 45 minutes. Katie, I'm sure your experience of haircuts and hairdressing is much different than that than what David might have. Just a little longer. But just a little longer. So, yeah, so... But for the haircut, that was 30 minutes. For the um, gym membership, you know, that, that's about six months of trying to achieve my goals. And, you know, so your experience is very different in, you know, I've got a problem trying to solve that. One's over in 30 minutes, one's over in six months. So for every business, it's really, what can you do to encourage your customers to, to keep trying to solve their original problem? Um, it doesn't just start and end when somebody uses your product or service. It's really somebody is using your product or service to solve that problem. And it's really up to you to, to make sure that they solve that problem so that they, their problem gets solved. You celebrate those wins and then essentially you can, um, they, there's trust built. They, they know that you can solve their problems. And now it's a case of what other problems can you solve or has somebody enjoyed the process and got good enough results to want to go through that again. And that's where it really comes from our problem solved into proven stage and then into the proclaim stage, which is brand advocacy. This is somebody who's talking about your business. This is somebody who is sharing um, on social media. This is somebody who is actively bringing you word of mouth customers. So it's it's really looking at at the, at the stage for that for, for different businesses and how you can, can move customers from one stage to the next. So going back to the solving a problem, you know, we work with a lot of sports yeah. and entertainment organizations. Their primary offering is an experience and an experience isn't yeah. often thought of as solving a problem. So how might we shift mm. that mindset and reframe it to think about solving a problem with an experience? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think there's, there's a couple of things that you can, there's certainly 
elements where you can look at the individual problems that somebody might have in that experience and, and try and solve those. But I would say that from, you know, from at attending a sport event, and I've, I've attended many, the, there's not necessarily, it's not like a, you know, a problem, but there is that aspiration. There is that identity. There is that, I want to be able to feel this emotion by attending this game. You know, I want to be able to see perhaps my favorite players. I want to be able to see my, my team win. And, you know, I think the problems are, you know, first of all, if your, your sports team wins, that solves a lot of your, your problems. But <laughs> if you, uh, you're, you know, but attending a sport, sporting event, it's, it's really is like, what, why would I not watch this at home? And why am I, you know, attending this experience? And then that experience along the way of, you know, getting my ticket, actually, you know, being able to to enter into the stadium quickly, being able to, you know, buy drinks without spilling them on each other, on people, being able to have that atmosphere and and that love for for live events. Um so it's really kind of a I would say yes, you're right. It's not necessarily you're solving the problem, but you're you're definitely somebody is wanting to get something out of it. Um whether that's, you know, the just for the the love of the game or to to have that core memory. Um and to, to really experience and to see live live actions. So, well, Ed, I know you do this in your work with clients all the time of like asking why and mm. digging and digging and even even the things that yeah. that you're talking about. Like, I think sports teams can go one step further and be like, why yeah. does somebody want to see their favorite player? Why does somebody want to yeah. jump up and chant? And I do think a lot of times, right, like somebody's choosing whether it's a concert whether uh whatever the experience it is whether it's going to get a vacation on airbnb or uh whatever vacation home rental they're doing whatever the the reason if we're coming out to visit you in australia right there is some mm. problem that typically they're solving even if it is like an additive thing it could be that they're really stressed out from work and they need a vacation to australia right because they yeah. just want to forget about everything they they know mm. that if they go the next state over their cell phone's still going to ring they're still going to get those emails Whereas like yeah. going to a sports game, I think for us, a lot of times it is about like wanting to feel connected to a larger community that cares about a bigger yeah, thing. Right? Sure. And and I think you can, if you peel back those layers, if any anyone in any business, it's the same thing. Like you can go one step further and almost always to Ed's point, get to some kind of problem that their aspiration, mm -hmm. like Ed, like you said, is there, yeah. but there's a problem underneath that, that ultimately they're aspiring to something because their current state is not quite at that that spot um so I, I love what you said though about like the aspiration and helping them get there that's it and i you know when people when people ask me you know how did i get into to custom experiences and why is why is that what i do and i was talking to somebody yesterday and I, I said i think the last time my parents bought me a physical gift as a birthday present was when i was about seven years old I think from that, it was tickets Good to a sporting them. event or, and, you know, some form of event or going somewhere. It's just, I, I've, and, you know, to this day, I have very little physical possessions, um, but I've got a lot of, <laughs> lot of fond memories. So, um, yeah. Um, and you're right. There is something very different that a, a sporting event brings. Um, and, and it can even be that it's like, okay, actually, I want my wife or I want my son and my daughter to experience this. I want them to um, get all the wonderful things that, that come out of, of attending an event. Well, I think, and I think to your point, like as you talk about in a lot of your videos and, and content that's out there as well, is like 
once you have identified that problem, then I think you can say, okay, now how do we, to your point, how do we stream that across knowing that that is what they're trying to solve for? How do we make sure if they're going to escape the hassles of their everyday life, we got to make sure that this experience doesn't have hassles or they're not going to come back. Um, Exactly that. Exactly that. One, one thing I do want to jump into, I, I mean, you, you triggered this thought for me as you were talking about getting gifts from your parents and having them always be experiences. I do think with experiences, right? Like you don't receive something tangible. Like even let's, let's talk about like maybe a, like an airline ticket. You might get that email confirmation, but you're not necessarily getting that boarding pass or um, something physical to unbox. Right. So, so if you don't have something physical to unbox, like what are some ways that you can create that that almost that kickoff in advance or that unboxing experience if it's digital? That's a, that's a great question. Actually, I haven't necessarily thought about that from, from that unboxing experience and from that, having that tangible gift. I've thought of it more in that sense of, okay, somebody has got this key milestone, like the date that they fly. No one's really buying tickets for, for flights, you know, on the day, you know, um, and oh, if they do, that would be a luxury to have. But Katie and I are going on a trip on Friday that we just bought our tickets today. So uh, you oh, might, fantastic. You might... <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> keep, keep going, going, keep going. But yeah, so, uh, but essentially, you know, for like, let's say, a, you know, a, a dream destination holiday, you know, you're, you've done all the, the thinking, the planning, and then, yeah, the, the, the making the purchases, really that, that one part. And, and my wife always says that she's like, she's actually says that it's the excitement of going away that is sometimes just as important as the going away itself, you know, um, being able to have that one thing to look forward to. Um, so from the airlines example, you know, what I've seen work really well is trying to mitigate stuff on the day. So, you know, lately post COVID airports, I don't know about in the US, but in Australia and in Europe. They, you know, wait times were just horrendous. Like it was three to five, maybe even seven hours in some places just because of lack of security staff. So it's a way of like, how can you make sure that your customers are aware of this so that they don't miss their flight? How can you make sure that they're going to get there on time? How can you make sure that they're, you know, by the time boarding gets called, that they are in the right place at the right time? Um, and so that's kind of those things where it's like, how can you make sure that, for, you know, for your your for sporting events, you know, making sure that people are aware and so that there's no surprises or at least unpleasant surprises when they turn up, you know, that they're turning up on time, enough time to get into the venue to to grab their seat, grab their beer. Um, and so, yeah, so I haven't necessarily really thought about it as that, um, but you've, I think you've hit a real opportunity of that memorabilia piece, you know, that, you know, what used to be a ticket stub is, you know, how can you actually have that physical memory of, of this event that you've attended. Um, yeah, but, that's a, that's think, a good one. Right? Got to that one. <laughs> I think to that point though, there are just so many going back to what you were talking about, about identifying what are the emotions at every step of the journey. Yeah. I do think there's no matter how good you are in your business, if you go back and look at those steps of the journey that Ed has, and, and we'll link to those in the show notes, um, I, you really can identify like, how do we remove hassles? How do we create surprises? Yeah. How do we, you can optimize for a lot of different emotions throughout that you probably yeah. haven't yet. Um, no matter how good you are in your business. That's it. Exactly that. And, and there's, 
yeah, the, you know, there's many companies like Disney are, you know, a, a global example of just how they just, from the moment you enter, everything is so well thought out in advance. You know, it's, it's, you know, Disney have thought about your next move three steps ahead of time. They've thought about, you know, if your daughter is going to want to do this, what's in it for you as a dad, you know, and all of these different things to, to make sure that everybody has that really personalized, unique experience. Um, and like you said, removing the bad things, you know, if a dirty pavement could really kill and destroy that, that, uh, that experience. So, okay, we've got to make sure that this, this part is really, really spotless, you know, and clean. So, um, but yeah, um. Uh, yeah, couldn't agree, couldn't agree more with you there, Dave. So we talked a lot about the emotions. It's obviously something that resonates a lot with us and experiences. You have a lot of emotions. There are a lot of emotions when you make a purchase. What are the emotions that customers experience after a purchase that co companies aren't paying attention to? What are some of the things as they move into the progress stage that we could be paying more attention to? Yeah, that that's great. So... Yeah, so just to, to summarize that, if the purchase is really that buyer's remorse, okay, I've made this, is this, is this going to work for me? Then you've got that, the proceed, which is that unboxing is like, okay, I've got it. I'm getting it, getting it working. And then, yeah, that, that progress phase is really all about encouragement and almost, first of all, reminding people of why they've got this in the first place and, you know, being able to, you know, I know that you have this problem. So, you know, this, you're using this product to solve this. So, um, but also, you know, encouragement to, to keep on going. Um, those, you know, I, I can think of a, a good planner app, for example, you know, something like, a, a, you know, a, a good application for like a SaaS platform, you know, the first thing that you want to try and do within those 30 days is to make people really heavily reliant on your platform. You know, so you want them to be creating habits that get them logging in and doing things that actually make them really sticky. So if it's a collaboration platform, it's about, you know, adding people, you know, and you want to make sure that, okay, if we're all using this platform together, we become reliant on it. So essentially we're now, um, sticky and retained. The progress phase is really all about continuing to assist people. It's giving them those, okay, it's no longer the low hanging fruit of, you know, here's the first three buttons that we want you to tick. It's like, here's some more of these advanced features. Here's some more of these, um, you know, things that take a little bit more, um, and a few more aha moments throughout the process, essentially. Um, but also encouragement to keep it solve keep solving those problems. You know, a personal trainer is a great example of this is, when you get to that, that lull of somebody's been working out for six weeks, but you both know that it's going to be about three months, six months before they really start seeing proper results. It's, you know, what, you, how, what encouragement can you do? Um, and, uh, you know, gift giving is probably one of the more, um, primary examples for that in like a B2B service where you're, you've started, you're going through the process, things are not quite as exciting as they were at the start and they're not going to be as exciting as they are at the end. So it's what can you do to keep morale high, encourage, and uh, yeah, so like kind of surprise and delight gift giving is, is a fantastic example during that B2B service space. I think, I think it's a, I mean, I'll use a classic example. I was using a, a project management tool today called ClickUp that 
Katie and I have used an engagement we've used at, at some point in time. We haven't been using it lately. I've been using it with a, a, another organization. And I'm like, you know what? Let me, let me try to figure out how I can. Because if, if I was going to get interviewed by a company today and they were going to ask, like, what is your greatest weakness? It would be organization, hands down. Um, <laughs> and as, as Katie chuckles. So I was like, all right, how can I, how can I use this tool to like put all of my stuff that I have like written down on all these loose notes and papers and notes apps? Can I put them all into ClickUp? And I was watching a tutorial on like how to use ClickUp for personal productivity. And so I think it is those, those forms of like, hey, this is how else you can use that product to your advantage yeah. and keep me in the ecosystem, more reliant in the ecosystem than what I initially came yeah. there for. And I think exactly. I think, I think oh, go ahead, SaaS go platform. Ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just saying that's a you know, and that's something that SaaS platforms have a fantastic advantage of. Of you know, what is the intent for using the product? You know, so if somebody, like you said, if it has been, you know, if it's, oh, it's we want you know B two B collaboration or we want you know, um, yeah, personal organization. It's just like, okay, great. I'm gonna send you. A, a small amount of videos and a very, very specific content so that you can solve more of that individual problem. I'm not going to bother sending you stuff all about integrations and collaborating with like other people around because that's going to be for Katie. You know, Katie's going to be able to get more value out of that because that's going to be her problem that she needs to solve. Dave, you just need to make sure that you're getting your stuff in the right, right side of things so that Katie isn't asking you where things are all the time, which I, I imagine she might be. <laughs> Facts. Or, or, or it's me asking her where things are stored. And anyway, um, all right. Well, let's, enough talking about my weaknesses. Let's talk about actual uh, fun stuff with getting customers more loyal. Um, I, I think right. one of the one of the cool things about if we're if a company's really utilizing the seven stages that you've laid out, what we get is really this kind of non incentivized loyalty from a customer, and and I think that's yeah. the goal, right? A, a lot of times you think about like punch exactly. cards or different loyalty programs, and it almost feels like we're bribing customers to stay with us. Yeah. Um. So yeah. like how, but but non incentivized loyalty is really a hard thing to put into place. So like. I don't know. Maybe, let's talk really about hard. some of this and then maybe let's go into some of your favorite, like non incentivized loyalty programs. Yeah, brilliant. So you're, you're completely right. Non incentivized loyalty is really the goal, you know? And, but I think incentivized loyalty does have its place. And it can be that a great way to, to look at it is starting once you've got somebody into that, okay, right? They've, you know, they've solved their problem. You've proven that you can do that. They've, they've perhaps started to make some more purchases. And now you, you want them to be, okay, how do we get this person to, to really live and breathe our brand? And one of the things that you can start doing is incentivizing habits that you want to create. So if you, um, you know, for a brand who actually, you know, I think a sports brand is a fantastic way of doing this. If you've got season ticket holders, um, who are, you know, spending lots of money with you, like what are the things that you can do to get them to capture particular things on social media and share it and then share and then, you know, tag you got tag the team in it and, and it gets shared across, um, you know, either fan pages or, or other social media accounts. And, you know, your, your incentive can be, you know, oh, this will get you, you know, 10% off your next purchase. Or, you know, if your incentive is good enough and somebody is starting to, you know, is already becoming that brand advocate, they just the fact that they're, 
Instagram stories getting shared on the Miami Dolphins team page is that's a pretty good incentive, you know. And so, um, you know, so I think there's there's that creating habits and and kind of rewarding that those things that you would love people to start naturally creating um, and documenting some of those um, great experiences. And it could be that you've opened up a very particular interactive part of the the stadium experience you know there's maybe sort of like you know at the tailgate program a very interactive um program that you want people to start going through and spending money and so it could could be hey you know um when when you finish going through this like you know record a certain part of it and uh and share it with us because we'd love to share that out um so that people are then seeing firsthand so it's you know there's so uh, does that make sense of that there's kind of that there's that creating the triggers and creating the things that you would want people to start doing more organically. And then once, once that just becomes natural and there's, there's many brands out there that, you know, I see when somebody orders one of their, they do like living room and bedroom rugs, you know, and every day I see about five or six different people posting their sort of ripping off the plastic and rolling it out. And, Oh, this is how good their home looks now, you know, and that none of that's incentivized. That's just, the culture that they've created among their customers. I think what's interesting there too, like social has really allowed these, this non-incentivized loyalty to really yeah. become a lot easier. And be, because I think there's, there's an aspect of like gaming gamification principles of like yeah. this surprise hit of serotonin when, okay, my, my uh, post has been shared, but th- I think there are a lot of sports teams that don't use user generated content the way that they should. Yeah. And if and if if sports teams or or your company is scared to get into that, the other way that you could use social media from a non-incentivized loyalty perspective is just commenting. Like we see this massively on yeah. TikTok. Um and and we've had we've had people on the show that have talked about this as well from a strategy perspective. Um and what's Katie, what's Amy's last name? I'm blanking uh, from the from the Panthers. Amy Keen. So we had Amy Keen. She was the she was the head of content, uh, and and I don't know what her actual title was. She she led content. She's a baller with the Carolina Panthers. And what she said was awesome. like the way that we grew as an NFL team was not from our organic content. It was from commenting on people's stories and on people's content and yeah. engaging with it. Yeah. And so if you don't want to put their yeah. things on your feed because you've got a certain aesthetic or a certain brand standard, exactly. That's fine. Yeah. Go comment and engage. Imagine your season ticket holder that loves you. He's got you. You guys yes. are commenting like that is going to drive loyalty. Exactly that. Exactly that. And that's I'm actually coming back to what you mentioned of even just that unboxing experience. I think I, I do remember seeing. I think it was either the Oakland Raiders or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but having that their unboxing for their season tickets and like so that's kind of the physical thing that people are now receiving, and it's a really great unboxing experience. So you're going to want to record that and you know show it off, and and like you said, it can either be um, yeah, either it could be user-generated content used by the team or from the team going in and, and commenting like, hey, you know, can't wait to, you know, so glad you're going to be in the stands reading for us this year. It's just like, wow, Tom Brady just commented on that. That's <laughs> there, there was one, not to go down this rabbit hole on that, but there was like a TikTok I saw earlier this week of uh, somebody that, some kids that had come home from college and they were like, our mom, this is how obsessed our mom is with Yeti. If you're familiar, familiar with like Yeti coolers. Um, wow, and yeah, so yeah. 
they had laid they cut to the, the kitchen and they had laid out all the Yeti cups and thermoses and different things that she had and it covered the entire kitchen counter. It was crazy. So Yeti commented, engaged with it, and then said, send us your address and we'll hook you up with some more stuff. And yeah. then they made a whole nother video that went viral of all the stuff Yeti had sent her. And so it was just one of those ways of like, you're just making that person more of a super fan. Exactly. Exactly that. There's, there's really, once somebody has already started spending money with you, anything that you do, like, the, you know, you, you've already proved that they've got money to spend with you. The, the more that you interact with them, the, the more, the, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's an investment and it's, that person's just going to just keep on, you know, uh, spend, spending more with you, coming to more games and, and all kinds of wonderful things. Awesome. Well, let, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. I, I want to get into numbers a little bit. Like this is all great in theory, but let's talk numbers. So you've shared a couple of figures in your videos and, and through content on your website that I want to hit on. Yep. So the first of those is that yep. it's five times cheaper to retain an existing customer than to acquire a new one. And increasing retention by 5% can increase profits by almost up to 25 or to 95%. Um, and so yeah. I think like particularly in sports, like we often hear people talking about, we have an older fan base. And so they're constantly yes. trying to say, okay, especially college sports for us. Um, so they want to invest right. in like this younger fan and try to get custom, younger fans in an acquisition. And I think they spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on that. So in your mm -hmm. mind, how should companies prioritize spend on retention versus paid advertising and acquiring new customers? Yeah, great. So, well, one of the first things that are interesting that you said that, you know, having that older fan base and moving in and, you know, trying to attract that new fan base. One of the great things for, for uh, sport and entertainment to, to understand is consumer spending has really shifted and more millennials are buying way more experience than um, the, you know, older generation, baby boomer gener generation, even though it's a, a less rich cohort. Um, so there's just a, you know, social media has really sort of driven that. Um, but in terms of what can people do to, um, sorry, what was the, sorry, what was your specific question again? Uh, the specific question was really asking how should companies think about prioritizing retention spend or acquiring new oh, customer sorry, yeah. spend? Yeah, great. So the way, the way I've started to, to really look at, um, with customers for, for different businesses, where it, when's the right time to, to invest into retention? And it's, it's really from, you know, as soon as you've started to gather a, a number of customers, and that can be very different for each business. Sometimes that's 10, sometimes that's, you know, um, 10,000, you know, and so, but it's really a case of, okay, you've started to, you've done paid media, you're, you're advertising, you're, you're doing all your, your organic, you're, you're doing all these different, different marketing things. And somebody's coming in and you're finding that just 75% of people are buying once, you know, they they've got one order and the lifetime value of that, that customer is just on that one purchase, which is, it's, it's expensive. And, you know, even though that we're, you know, we're, we're starting to see cost per click go higher. You know, it's never been more competitive. It's never been easier for somebody to start a business, maybe not an NFL team, but to start a business and, you know, 
take a market share of that and, and drive that cost cost per click up. So if people are only ever ordering once, the ability for you know to to get a real profit off that is is very difficult. So once you've started to see that, okay, like this group of people are only ordering once, how can we get those people to order multiple times? How can you get them to keep coming back? And how, you know, what are the advantages for them to, to um, you know, how can we get them to then start bringing friends? So we've got this pool of people that are just bringing, bringing in our business and really that sort of 80-20 rule of 20% of, 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your audiences. So it, it, the answer is really different for, for most businesses, but it should always be something that you think about from the moment you're selling your first product. And I'd like to think of it as more of your, your customer funnel doesn't end at the seal. It ends well past that. You know, if you're, if you're only doing marketing activity and you know, your, your cost of your, your business is all about what does that first seal, even to like sales team incentives. You know, if you're, you know, how different would a business operate if we actually give people incentives based on lifetime value rather than the first meal that somebody comes in? What a, what a huge mindset shift to, to that handover between sales and service when somebody's like, actually, you know, I could be making money until the day I die just by making sure that this person fits in well with this brand. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it should be something that you, you think about completely. But I would say for, for my clients, it's, it's really when they've started to get, okay, we know we've got a product that sells well. We've got a, a marketing and sales team that, that are doing well. You know, it doesn't have to be great, but, you know, you're selling your product. You're, you're, people are, you know, um, trusting in you enough to, to make a purchase. And it's just how, you know, this is how can we make them buy so much more from you and, and, uh, and multiple different products and um, services from that, that regard. No, oh, I, I love it. Um, well, I know I'm going to jump here in a second. I got to run. Um, but Ed, you and Katie, I, I, I appreciate you coming on Ed. this has been awesome. I, I know you guys are going to keep talking and, yeah. and keep diving into this stuff of around retention and acquisition and how do we really create awesome. loyal fans and loyal customers. So, uh, Ed, it's been awesome yeah. having you look forward to our next conversation, Katie. We'll see you guys later. It's been a pleasure, David. Thank you so much for having me. All right, let's let y'all keep going. Keeping it going on brand loyalty. Obviously, the things that yeah. are most interesting to us are the brand advocates. How do you create more fans of your mm -hmm. brand? We're not just talking about fans in the stands. We're not just talking about the ones that are in the pits for their favorite bands. Fans of any brand. So does the customer journey have to be completely seamless for a customer to be a brand advocate? Or how do you create those loyal fans of your brand? How do they become the brand advocate for you? That's a, that's a great question. And my answer to, to the seamlessness, no, it doesn't have to be seamless, but it is important on how you start and during the middle and, and how you end. These things are important. The way that I, I talk about this of, you know, your customer's success is reliant on the outcomes and the experience. So having a great experience, but not having the problem solved and getting poor results, you know, no one's going to buy that again. As for if somebody has been given, okay, well, we've got good results and the problem's been solved, but gosh, it was really difficult to solve it. You know, it was a really, I didn't enjoy the experience of it then that person's also not going to buy. So those two things work really hand in hand. And then 
and what I'm what we've kind of found is that the more organic um, brand advocacy comes from people who have had not only a great experience, but their their problem has been resolved um, sometimes in dramatic fashion. Um, so yeah, um, those would be really the sort of the, the two things that that work hand in hand. Um, no one is ever going to have a seamless customer experience. Nobody is ever going to have no complaints. Nobody is ever going to have, you know, nothing go wrong on the day at a sporting fixture. These, these are things right. that are just always going to happen. But it's how you deal with them is also a huge part of it. You know, people are, you know, willing enough that they're not going to, you know, things aren't going to go perfect 100% of the time. You're going to get a beer spilt on you. It's so you, te- you attend enough NFL games or enough college games, you're going to come home covered in beer one day. And that's just how that is. But, you know, if, you know, if you're walking around and, you know, a, a staff member saw it happen on the Jumbotron, you know, gives you a free team jersey. It's just like, I'm a fan of that team for life. You know, that's, you know, and so, you know, things like that of, you know, how how you really deal with with uh, some of the the negative things that have happened and turning that what was a negative experience into a really positive experience is something that can can really create brand advocacy. It's something that we're working with a number of our clients on heading into this football season is the service recovery process and that you can actually increase the brand loyalty and the brand advocacy that a customer has with you just because of the fact that they had a problem and you were able to fix it. That they're because of the fact that you invested in them, you made them feel more a part of your organization, that you took the time to solve their problem. They're actually going to be more of a fan for you than if they had a seamless journey to begin with. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. It's sometimes, I'm, this is something that I actually need to research on, but I'm really curious to understand when you get, when you order a pizza and the wrong mm-hmm. pizza arrives, okay? And then you either go back to the pizza place or you call up the pizza place and you, you, you tell them about the order. And usually, I, I don't know uh, for, for your local pizza place, Katie, uh, and I'm assuming you eat pizza. And that's, I do uh, eat pizza. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's it. So, but I'm curious, it's just like, if I was to get the wrong order, but then I was, get, I was then told, oh, okay, next time you're, you're in, you keep the pizza that you've got, but next time you're in, we'll, we'll give you a free pizza. Like, I'm probably more of a fan of that pizza place than, I had, than if I had just got my order correct. And so I'm really curious to understand, actually, and probably might do a bit of research on this, of like, with pizza owners, do they find that like the more... You know, the more mistakes they make sometimes and, and treat and uh, correct them, overcompensating correction, does that actually create a longer lifetime customer for that pizza place? Well, I think it'd be interesting to study because, you know, if I got, you know, if I'm a vegetarian and I got a pepperoni pizza, obviously now I can't eat the pizza. So that does uh, not solve my problem, just giving me a new one. Now true. I got to figure out dinner again. So that you didn't take care of my yeah. problem and now I have two problems to solve. So I think it all depends on how you actually solve the problem that would increase the brand loyalty and whether you would actually become a bigger advocate for that company or not. Yeah, that's a very good, that's a very good point. Uh, uh, Yes. Yeah. Uh, But yes, you're completely right. It's, it's, it's how you solve it and your solution, you know, the way they solve it for, for Katie is going to be the different for, for the way they solve it for me. Um, But yeah, that's, yeah. So I think there's, there is definitely something in that. It's how you deal with the, the, the negatives and turn that negative experience into a positive experience that can really keep a customer for life. Yeah. 
So as we're wrapping up here, let's talk about some opinions that you hear in customer experience, brand advocacy, retention that you flat out disagree with. And why do you disagree with them? Yeah, great. So I think that the, one of the things that you actually brought up is just like, it's got to be perfect, you know, and if, if it's not perfect, it's, it's not, um, you know, it's people aren't going to do it. The, we always have this, um, you know, perception of what we wanted to provide versus what we actually provided. And the great thing, the, the difficult thing is because, because we were on the inside, we know all the things that have, have gone. It's like, oh, you know, maybe that email didn't quite have the, the correct wording or maybe, you know, that the way I dealt with that situation probably could have been done better. And, uh, but from the customer side, they have no idea of all the, the, the different ways that's, that's been solved and the different processes that you have under the surface. So it's for them, it's really a case of like, okay, is this a good experience or not a great experience? And it's, it's always constantly building on it. So I think, like you said, of, you know, it doesn't have to be seamless, but, you know, being able to, um, you know, what, what I find is sometimes the reason people don't ask testimonial for testimonials is because they think that they haven't done a good enough job, but when they actually ask how they actually get feedback on how that project was, They've, the client has been like ecstatic, you know, they've loved it, but you know, sometimes, you know, you're dealing with a CEO who does not show any human emotion. <laughs> it's so hard yeah. to read during the process. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's, it's sometimes, you know, very difficult to, to gauge that and then run at the end. Um, you know, it's, I'm sure, you know, if you guys are working directly with Bill Belichick, you're going to have no idea. <laughs> How, how you guys are doing right up until the very end and he'll kind of you know give you a one word good or not good answer <laughs> so um yeah there are sometimes the nod is all you get and that's all there is to it but you you yep. know that the nod is that's a good it. thing yes that's it and so sometimes it can really be that it's just like your, your own perception of how you think somebody perceives your brand is very different to how they actually perceive your brand and what's one thing that we haven't covered? Is there anything that you want people to know or understand that we haven't talked about yet today? That's a, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. But I actually feel that we have covered a huge amount. This is, you know, I've, I've done a couple of other guests podcasts. And this is by, you know, this has been by far and away the, the most knowledge given. Um, so I hope, hope you've got a lot of value out of it. Well, what's one thing listeners should take away from this conversation? Um, I think to to really not underestimate the the lifetime value of your customers and how important that is. Paid media, social media, new customers, new acquisition is all well and good, um, but it's really that it's it's the lifetime value that you create that will make your your most your business more profitable. Um, and, in, and in terms of approaching that that less wealthy cohort, I think there's um, you know, I think there's, there's so much potential of those younger millennials, Gen Z, they are looking for more experiences. They are looking for more things to talk about and to share about. So the more interactive action and the more personalization that they get is something that will then lead to, to more, to more growth. Um, you know, we've, we've had social media, we've had viral social media for about 10 years now. Um, and it's, you know, there's, there's commonalities to what make things go viral. And so, um, you know, that's, that's something that I sort of would probably really sort of push on that, try to attract that, um, 
younger cohort for, for sporting and events. But knowing that when people see that, people will then want to experience it and that younger generation will want to experience some of those things as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I ho- hope that's hope that's been there. Uh, a good answer for you. That's a great place to leave us. And thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Love having you on the show. Where can people reach you, find out more, um, find your content? Give us a couple of plugs. Yeah, great. So uh, I'm heavily active on LinkedIn. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn, just head free. Um, and then you, our website is exemplified.com. Dot au. We are based in Australia, so don't forget that .com.au. But feel free to, to hit me up on LinkedIn or, or come via the website. You'll see a lot of our um, yeah customer retention strategy and, and uh, the introduction to the workshops and, and those things there. Um, and uh, yeah, for join me on LinkedIn. I'd love to have a conversation with you and, and learn more about um, what t- what team you're you're helping with or, or what event you're looking to put on and and how we can can continue lifting the lifetime value of your customers. Fantastic. And thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. Really look forward to our next one and we'll talk soon. Awesome, Kitty. Thank you so much. To all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.